0: Hi everyone, my name is Asad Hashim Ali and uh, we are back again with another episode of the Ivy Ed Talk. It's been quite a while and you may remember me from the second episode and just like the second and the first episode, we've got Miss Alia Hashim again, who Hi is everyone. yeah, who is the head of school and uh, this year we thought that with a couple of changes happening at IV, um, with a new curriculum being introduced, with a couple of new grades being introduced, actually one new grade being introduced, Uh, we thought that we also keep this tradition of the Ivy Ed Talk alive. And um, it's also going to be a great platform for parents across the board, whether you are at Ivy or outside Ivy, to get some more insight as to how to make a better, well-informed decision for your child's education. Um, That was good. I think we should trademark that. Make a better, well-informed decision for your child's education. So. Aliyah, the, the, this topic that we've actually chosen is about the curriculum right. and the overarching theme of a curriculum, what is it really? So you have a debate happening these days between um, multiple frameworks and systems and you know, schools of thoughts as well and everyone's getting onto this early childhood development yes. uh, bandwagon as well, which is great yeah. and that means that there's more information being course, shared. Yes. But in the true essence, hmm. what is a curricular framework?
1: Alright, so um, there, there is a bunch of terms that are used interchangeably these days and uh, one of them is system. Mm-hmm. Right? We talk about what kind of system are you following. And uh, system, um, like as, as um, it goes, is understood generally to be more of something that's related to a geographical area. So, you know, you talk about the American system or the British system or the Finnish system yeah. or the you know, South Korean system or Singapore system, and um, it has more to do with the academic philosophy or the learning culture of that area. Okay. And uh, if you talk about uh, a, a curricular framework, that is a slightly uh, one step down. So, so you go one step down. So, framework is something that gives you the guiding principles okay. uh, around a curriculum. So okay. it doesn't give you the syllabus or the lesson plans or the scheme of work. It just gives you a guiding framework. For instance. Um, the International Baccalaureate Program, the mm-hmm. IB uh, Program, it is it is a curricular framework. Okay. It tells you that your year is divided into, let's say, six blocks um, and you have to teach six units which cover different uh, content areas, like mm-hmm. something could be how the world works which is usually science related, how to express yourselves, mm-hmm. something that's more art related, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Okay. Um, uh, similar use the word Cambridge system, but Cambridge is less of a system and more of a curriculum. Really? Yes. And and then I'm going to come into curriculum now Hmm. because curriculum is one step down from framework. It gives you the scheme of work that is being covered uh, throughout the academic year. So that includes your lesson plans, your topics, your texts, your trade books. It includes a lot of different things. Right. uh, Cambridge, for instance, will give you the texts. They have their texts. They, they uh, tell you what grade level standards are covered within those texts mm-hmm. or within those topics. Right. And, um, and and that is and and the lesson plans are something that the teachers derive from from what they provide. Right. Um, so it kind of, it's, it's a bit fluid, mm-hmm. but uh, on the whole, this
0: is kind of like the breakdown. Mm-hmm. Of so it says a curriculum is basically the content and um, uh, literally the entire year-wide experience of the child academically. Yes. Yes. The framework is the skeleton of how you plan to put that content together and the system is basically then gets into a context of the region. Right, just like how the UK system would be plugging and playing a lot of references about uh, the Great Britain, something like that? Yes. yes. All right. So it's now, okay, see, that's the very first question out of the way. The, that's, and it's pretty simple, actually, if you think about yes. it. There's no, um, every every framework, every system will have defining factors. Yes. But, um, but does that mean that the curriculum still might be the same, even yes. though that yeah. there's multiple the frameworks the for this? The curriculum
1: is basically going to be telling you what end goals to achieve at the end of the year for a certain grade level and how to achieve. Right.
0: Right? Okay. Fair. All right. And
1: and a curriculum is generally generally aligned with standards. Right. So um, in the US for example, uh, there is one set of standards that are used throughout the country Mm. called Common Core State Standards. Right. Cambridge has its own set of standards that they've created. Right. That are used for all the texts, etc., that are aligned
0: with uh, Mm. what they're using. Yeah. So now, Um, In Pakistan, in Karachi especially, two hot systems are in the private uh, education uh, system is that you have Cambridge and you have IB. End goals might be the same, but it's how they're implemented which are very different. Can you shed some light on that, like what is actually a defining factor between these two systems? This is a very broad, very popular globally recognized, you know, system. So then how do you, how are they implemented differently? Well, in
1: Pakistan Cambridge, uh, the curriculum is more popular right? Uh, and the ID framework is something that is still gaining traction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um if i if i just give you like a very quick difference between them that i see is that the is that the cambridge focuses more on um a, a breadth of topics so you know the cambridge books that that um, i've seen that are available here they, they usually have um a ch- chapter books for subject areas like yes. science will have a chapter book which will have chapters covering different topics and each book uh, each chapter has like, a couple pages ar- around that topic let's say for instance if you're studying shadows and yes. science so should you have two pages of text on shadows right. and then a couple of questions and if you answer them correctly you're right and if you don't answer them correctly you're wrong that's generally the the way it is taught and assessed right but um in, in the ib uh, framework hmm. Uh, It is. It's more um, inquiry-based. It's a little more open. Gives more room to work with. So um, in IB, if you're if you're studying the same topic like shadows, Mm -hmm. so you will be looking at a range of ideas around shadows. The way that. taught is also different, because um, on the first day, the teacher might uh, introduce tuning in activities around shadows, and the kids are going to come in, and they're going to play with mirrors, and, mm. and items, and light, and, and how that can play into making shadows. Right. And with it, they're going to come up with a lot of questions, because kids are like primed to ask mm. questions. So they're going to be asking a lot of questions and and the teacher's job there becomes more of a facilitated job where she scaffolds the learning in the class, Mm -hmm. she looks at what the important questions are that the kids are coming with. How can I expand on and extend the knowledge that the children are seeking? All Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: Different different pedagogies, same topic. But different Both
0: different. are guided, yeah. it's just that um, one is uh, more reliant on the student's input whereas the other is more reliant on the framework which already exists, so like the, the how the content is actually organized for the child. Yes.
1: Yeah? So the content in Cambridge is, is very, um, I mean it's already given, it's already provided. Yeah. So uh, the teacher's job is basically to take the content and…
0: But in IB there's a lot of self-discovery with the content. A lot
1: of discovery, a lot of inquiry, mm. it is more loosely structured. Okay. So
0: yeah, yeah. Alright, cool. So. Now, how should a parent actually go ahead and you know, decide? Or you know, because my parents, well now if they were to make a decision about a school, they would go into something about along the lines of okay, how is the school's reputation or how would the children come out from there? But now, working in education, I understand that it's actually about how the child is taught in school also which will then have a huge positive impact on their behavior and their etiquettes also, yes. which parents might take as on face value, right? Yeah. So, how can a parent go about making a more informed decision?
1: Well, um, a lot of it depends on, um, like when you talk about curriculum, a lot of it depends on how it is implemented. Right. So, um, the degree of implementation, the quality of implementation, mm-hmm. so, so if you look at, um, uh if you look at any award winning curriculum and you give it to um, teachers who are not as well versed with mm-hmm. uh, the practices that are been used in that curriculum, the degree yeah. of implementation is not going to be very high. Yeah. And um they might struggle with how to implement it. So so that becomes um something that separates uh a quality um uh, the quality of curriculum Similarly, in, in like in opposition, in fact, if I say that you give a very um, ordinary curriculum mm-hmm. to um, somebody who implements it with fidelity, with with uh, a lot of good practices, mm-hmm. so that that kind of changes the whole dynamic. Right. So, so for for, um, for somebody who's into the field, I would say that you should have strong curriculums and implementers. That that together makes like a win-win. Right. For
0: right.
1: So um, to answer your question, you're like, how can parents you know, make, a, yeah. make, make that kind of a decision? Right. So several things come into it. You know, what are the parents looking for, for instance? Hmm. You know, what is the philosophy that they're looking for? Hmm. What have they always thought that the right education should be? Okay. And then it depends on how they see it for their child. So if I'm just going to extend that question, so I say, how do I see the right education to be for my child? Mm-hmm. So what is the best fit school for your child? Because each child is different. Yeah. So each child would fit differently into a different curriculum. Right. So so what is the best school for you? Mm-hmm. That's
0: what it becomes. Yeah. But then there's also some. I think there's some benchmarks also which you had pointed out earlier. Was that um, go to the teachers and actually ask them that um, yes. what are some metrics you might use or you know what are the level of instructional leaders? Yes. Uh, how how involved are they? Is it a top down? Uh, approach where the leader is actually telling you what to do, or the teachers also coming up with their own ideas as well. I think. Yes.
1: So, so it also becomes like um, uh, I think their parents should go with the uh, instructional leadership team of a school.
0: Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and they meet the key members they, right. and they ask them, you know, what kind of a curriculum are you following? Right. And when they get an answer for that, to probe, mm-hmm. to ask what does that look like on a daily basis? Yeah. You say, let's say, I say, I'm a school that is very strongly focused on social emotional learning. Right. But what does that look like in the classroom? Mm-hmm. Like, am I just putting up posters in the class and, and, and is that it or, or is it actually embedded in the way I teach, in the way I deal with students, in the way I manage their behavior? You know, like, there's a lot of social emotional learning that happens in a classroom on a daily basis, yeah, and there are multiple opportunities mm-hmm. to be able to embed values. So, um, how do I do that? Yeah. Right. So, so that becomes so asking how it looks like on a mm-hmm. daily basis is important. Yeah. Asking the school what their strategic vision for academics is important. Mm-hmm. Asking them what their how do they define student achievement? Is it just academic scores, for instance? Right. Or is it also that the child should progress socially, emotionally, mm-hmm. should be able to collaborate in a team, should be able to um, have have empathy for somebody else? Right. So you know, it differs. Mm-hmm. It's a philosophy, and it differs school.
0: All right, interesting. And in that philosophy, there's also a huge emphasis on, there's a huge emphasis on the language that might be used by the teachers as well, the vocabulary, the phraseology which comes in, yes. just to instill those values even further, right? Alright, so now um, Ivy has taken a step forward in a new direction altogether. Um, Next year there will be grade 3 coming in, there's going to be, and already you have a new curriculum in place. Yes,
1: we do. (laughs) What
0: was this decision, what was the decision behind uh, the EL curriculum coming in?
1: So, EL, which is Expeditionary Learning, which is a curriculum we recently implemented, is an English language arts curriculum, uh, Mm -hmm. which is New York based. And it is, um, uh, you know, it's, it's basically project-based learning, uh, and has a very strong element of character development in it. So um, I first came across EL when I was doing my coursework at Harvard, mm. and uh, one of the courses that I was studying asked us to um, research different kinds of literacy and language programs that are being used in the U.S. Right. And I came across CL while I was doing my research for that. So um, I was. Immediately struck, like literally. I think five minutes into the website, I was like, "Okay, this is good." And and then I was um, and while I was looking at it, there there was these models of excellence that they had put up mm-hmm. as um, something that uh, students who were using that curriculum were doing. Right. So so there was this first grader who had um, it, it's a really famous uh, thing on their website it's called Austin's Butterfly. Yeah. And then, uh, I, I think I showed yes, it to you. Right? Yes, yeah, yeah, it's,
0: it's, <laughs> it's great. great. Yeah.
1: So, Austin is like this first waiter who is given the task of uh, drawing a scientific drawing of a butterfly. Mm-hmm. And his first butterfly is like very wonky and not mm-hmm. so, you know, like very fully spaced. Yeah. And um, the normal reaction to that would be like, okay, well, you know, like really, that's a really good effort and mm-hmm. go for it and color it in and do it and label it and you're done. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in this case, the teacher was like, um, you know, I think I see a lot of potential for this to get better, Mm -hmm. so how about we call all the other kids in the class and we talk about how we can make your money fly better. And, and so all these kids in first grade, they got together and they started talking about how this butterfly could be enhanced and, and, you know, kids come up with some, like, you know, if you ask kids to critique something, so they come up with a lot of ideas. Yeah, you know, yeah. like Antony are not aligned okay. right, or the wings are not aligned right, right. you miss this little jagged end. So, mm. so they kind of talked about all of that and, and, and then Austin made a second draft. Right. And then they critiqued that, and then they made a third, and a fourth, and a fifth. And I think by the fifth or sixth draft, his butterfly mm. looked almost exactly the same as the picture that he was trying to copy off.
0: So it was after multiple iterations where this whole uh, image came across.
1: Yes, and, and that is something we really miss out on because we are so product focused mm-hmm. that we are like, okay, we don't have time. Let's just quickly get this done. You're done mm. with your work, and let's put it aside. Right. But to actually look at a product and say, "Okay, you know what, this is not a product, this is a process Right. and it has to get better. Right. And I want my child to do the best that they can do. Right. So to look at learning not just as a product but as a process, mm-hmm. that philosophy, that stands out to me as something that is...
0: But that must be a huge challenge, right, to get parents to understand that as well. Because I'm sure you have many students who have elder siblings in other schools and say that, you know, my child at this age was able to write a letter like this. Or um, you know, this is how they solve this problem, but over here it's different. You know, how how did you actually get? How did you also um, you know face that challenge where you'd have to shift mindsets altogether? There'd be a lot of relearning and unlearning as well in this process. Yes. Correct me if I'm wrong.
1: No, you're you're completely right. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, uh, sometimes uh, I remember one or two parents came up to me once, and they were like. Um, my child, when they were in a different system, mm. or in a different school, they were they were writing three pages right. at this age, and um, uh, but in, in your in, in the way in the writing that they're doing in school, they're only writing one page or half a page, right. and and we would be like, no, but you have to understand that here we're teaching them the process. Mm. We're teaching them not just what to write. Right. That is never complete you are hmm. always revising hmm. and, and then we're teaching them the, the actual process of a writer, to think like a writer, to draft, revise, edit, publish, share. Right. You know, like those this whole writer workshop process right. that, that, that we talk about so often.
0: Right.
1: Because that is how we actually write in real life. Mm-hmm. It's never that the whole Comes to us and, goes on paper and I
0: definitely son. don't think about a letter starting with Dear. Yeah. <laughs> Even like all my letters start with Hi or Hello, like yes. how I normally would converse. Alright. Right. So, so, kind of like that. So, so I think uh, uh, that is a
1: challenge. Mm-hmm. But, on the whole, I think that people have accepted
0: it well. Alright. Yeah. And then I'm sure that with students involved in this, um, you're also seeing a major change in their attitude towards receiving feedback, because that iterative process requires them to provide feedback in a Meaningful in a polite way, nonetheless. Yes, yes. Because they have to do the same themselves. Then.
1: Yes. So the curriculum actually has a part called um, critique and feedback, mm-hmm. where our children are given the kind of language to use when right. you're, you're giving feedback to somebody that I really like this part of what you've done, but um, I feel like this is something that could be worked upon, could be made better. It is the kind of language that is modeled by the teacher in the class, okay. and then it's also used by the students, mm-hmm. so it becomes. Uh, part it becomes second nature. Mm-hmm. It becomes automatized when, when you're doing it so often, mm-hmm. when you're using it all the time. Yeah. And, then, and then there are conversation cues on how to have discussions, how to disagree with somebody. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, a lot a lot of the curriculum is based on discussion mm-hmm. and collaboration. Right. And and that is also something that uh, usually uh, I would have thought of as, as an obstacle right. to learning because that's not what our children are used to. They're, they're not used to somebody sitting down saying, mm. you know what, you have something really meaningful to say, mm. and I want to listen to what you say and then mm-hmm. respond. So that's not usually how it happens. You usually tell them what to say. So in the beginning, I thought that how, how, is it, how are our students mm. going to come up? with all these ideas, right. and how are they going to express them without fear of being, you know, oh, I just might be wrong. Right. But um, it worked, it, it worked, our teachers modeling it worked. Um, mm-hmm. We went into the classroom to provide them the scaffolds, mm. constantly working on their growth mindset and seeing that it's OK to be wrong, it's OK right. to make mistakes, celebrating mistakes. That that's, that's kind of like been working for us really well. And I've, I've seen a lot of change in a lot of students.
0: Great. I love how you said celebrating mistakes. I was like, now I want to be in this class <laughs> too. So, what about teachers though? How did they adapt to this? They're the implementers at the end of the day. Yes. Yeah? yeah. How was their experience with this shift?
1: Well, um, uh, I remember that when uh, we got this curriculum, mm-hmm. we uh, sat down, me and the instructional leader who was supposed to implement it, we sat down and we had these like, long discussions about okay, what does the curriculum look like? How is it structured? How are we going to break it down for the teachers? what does a daily planning period look like for a teacher? How mm-hmm. long is it? And how are they going to implement it? And how are they going to plan for the lesson that they're going to teach the next day? No. And it came up to like four hours a day. Okay. And, I, and and then we started thinking, like, if the teacher's taking four hours just to prepare an ELA lesson for a day, mm. how is it going to look going forward? Yeah. So um, I mean, nobody wants to go up to school the whole day and then come home and then plan for four hours. Like the whole day is gone, right? Okay. So, um, so we kind of uh, started thinking about how to um, structure the curriculum and how to start planning for the curriculum in a way that um, the different elements of it become so familiar mm-hmm. that you kind of look at it and you're like, okay, first I need to look at the learning target, then I need to look at this, then I need to look at that, and then I just need to get it together and you
0: know, right.
1: sort of implement it the next day. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of our teachers, we co develop strategies with our teachers. Like, there's mm-hmm. instance, one teacher said that, when I make my lesson plan, I just kind of cut it into pieces. I paste it on cardboard. I cut it into pieces, and then I use those as guiding like, Oh,
0: it's like flashcards. Flash awesome. Okay.
1: <laughs> Sweet. Cool. So, so it, they came up with all these, you know, strategies and suggestions yeah. themselves. And um, in addition, then we reached out to EL as well, mm-hmm. EL New York. And they provided us a lot of training. Mm-hmm. I mean, our teachers are in the middle of the training like right now. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of coursework that they're doing. They right. have to fill in these note captures for their weekly coursework. And, mm-hmm. and we have all these debrief sessions where we sit and talk about what practices worked for us, what didn't, how to make right. it better. Mm-hmm. So I think as in terms of curriculum and in terms of implementing it, we've started like a lot of professional learning communities, PLCs, which have been working very well for us.
0: All right. Yeah. So, um I'm sorry, I didn't catch the last point, Are you You said the teachers also sit and then um, yeah. so they provide what we do
1: it. is that we have these professional learning communities where mm-hmm. all the teachers who are teaching EL, right. they sit together mm-hmm. and they talk about tips and strategies that help each other out okay. in their planning, in their implementation, Um, And and it has really cut down the prep time for
0: them. So because you're feeding off everyone's insight then? Exactly.
1: Alright. So um, uh, I feel like uh, PLCs and having authentic PLCs where where teachers can collaborate Mm -hmm. and you know come up with ways to teach better and share
0: their expertise and ideas to improve student outcomes. I think that's really helpful. Alright. Interesting. Cool. Alright, so won't take too much of your time. One last question. I think. If by now, we've understood is that uh, whatever the curriculum or the framework that you choose to integrate into your child's life, it stretches across their entire experience as a student yes. across the year, and that could also move forward to the next year as well. So, how do you think is that, um, regardless of a curriculum shift, that the student experience can be enhanced? There's always room for improvement. It? Yes, there
1: room for yeah. Improvement. Hmm. Um, okay. So, so for that, basically, if you have. What we do is that in addition to the on-ground on curriculum, let me call it, that is being implemented on a daily basis, right. we have a lot of different um, snippets of uh, subjects that we throw into the curriculum uh, once a month or you know, once in two months. Hmm. Like for instance, we just got done with our literacy week. And the purpose of the literacy week was to enhance the literacy knowledge of children and parents hmm. and get them together and aligned with the school in terms of what the framework is like. Okay. So, um, uh, similarly we have our art Dev program, that happens once a year as well, okay. where, which is uh, we take one big artist to gallery grade and then we go into depth about uh, mm-hmm. their life and works. Last okay. year was Matisse, this year is, is I'm not going to tell you about this year, yes. <laughs> but basically um, that also aligns with the way we teach art here. Mm-hmm. Similarly we have a gross Market, that aligns with our Green Studies program. Yeah. So um, I think adding all these events, these uh, math months and literacy weeks can really make a big difference to how subject knowledge is, is perceived in the school, mm-hmm. it's an ongoing thing, we're always learning mm-hmm. better ways to teach math, better ways to teach literacy, right. we do a lot of workshop with, uh, workshops with parents mm-hmm. uh, as part of our parents university program, right. so um, like a phonics workshop,
0: guided reading program, workshop, guided workshop, I remember that, yeah,
1: workshop, or how to use ten frames to teach math,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so um, all of these help in building the knowledge around literature mm-hmm. and, it, and sort of expand the student experience, not just at school but also at home.
0: All right, and that's. I think it's these events are also great because, from the growers market and from Meet as well, I was him, so <laughs> I remember very clearly was that. Uh, I remember very clearly how that it was also not just about sharing. Um, that, uh, that it was just about sharing that love for knowledge, a love for learning with uh, the students around you and enhancing their own experience. But yeah. well, it also was about providing an experience to some other child who isn't part of the, the IB community. Yes. right? Yes. You know, who, on a day-to-day basis.
1: Yes.
0: So I think these are some great initiatives which, and you also mentioned, I think off-camera was about um, that you're collaborating with different associations as well. You're, yes, yeah. yes. I was telling you about
1: that uh, our, our first readers are This year and later in the year. Mm -hmm. And and we, um, when we saw the curriculum for that, Uh, Some of it is based on uh, U.S., and and most of it is based on the U.S. context, but the birds that they were discussing, I want to see birds that are found in North America and and that that our students don't know of yet. Mm -hmm. So what we're thinking of doing is that we're going to be collaborating with the Birders Association of Pakistan, Mm -hmm. and so to get them on board and ask them if they can come in and talk about local birds and local wildlife, Uh and so our children can get that experience as well because it's so much more grounded in their reality, right. so um, that makes like that makes also for extending student experience to their context, all which right. is important.
0: Yes. Alright, interesting. Thank you. So, thank you for your time. Let's just summarize all of this. So, we talked about um, that a system, a framework, a curriculum that actually three individual aspects of which I have experienced, uh, academic experience. They tie into together. We spoke about how the IB and the KMIT system uh, do vary and how they're actually, their varying points are not in the the content, but it's actually in the implementation. We also learned about how that when parents should go to new schools, they should actually be figuring out, um, they should be talking to instructional leaders, to the teachers, people who are on the ground as well. In
1: fact, let me add here that uh, they should, they should be talking to the instructional leadership team. Yes. Mm-hmm. But somebody who is a great resource to talk to is the on ground teacher. The teacher right. is the source of everything that's happening on a daily basis in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So, if, if possible, if that's doable, maybe talk to the, the, the teacher who's going to be teaching your okay. child and ask questions about, you know, um, how do you manage behavior in the classroom? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you deal with, um, you know, if, if uh, a child is overworked or upset, how do you deal with that? Right. Um, similarly, what, what, um, how do you implement your curriculum? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you ensure that each child is being challenged, right. each child is learning? Or how do you differentiate for different abilities in the classroom? Right. So, there's a lot that you can ask as a parent mm-hmm. that can give you a lot of insight into what goes um, on in the classroom. Right. Uh, and the teachers are the best people to tell you because they're doing it.
0: All right. And basically, just getting um, an understanding of the day to day. That's the best part about speaking to, that's actually the most important reason for speaking to the teachers. Yes. Right? These are all day to day instances which you might think can be uh, dealt with one way. But there's also, of course, the school has to be mean the school has a certain vision, understand that vision, understand that philosophy of what the school is all about. And um, just a final note also, what we spoke about was Ivy's new curriculum, uh, the EL curriculum, the expeditionary learning curriculum, and uh, why we've come onto that. Yeah. Uh, any other points you'd like to highlight? But
1: about the EL curriculum, I said, you know, I strongly believe in and I believe it's the way forward. Mm-hmm. But that said, I, I also agree that there's like, you know, all curriculums are equal. There is no mm-hmm. curriculum that I would say right now is that it's like, this is way better than this one. Right. And um, it, it depends a lot on the degree of the implementation. implementation right. On how the teachers are actually implementing the curriculum in the classroom. Right. So if you have a good curriculum, if you have strong people to implement it, mm-hmm. you have a win-win. Right. So I think that is the point to it. Exactly. First,
0: yes. And I would also just like to highlight is that our um, our intention of this conversation was actually... sorry. This conversation is also a very region-specific conversation to the parents of Karachi or Pakistan. Yes. Right? Um, this is what we have access to, this is what we have seen, um, as, uh, and this is, these are some best practices we're trying to bring home. Okay. Right? So, uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you for your time, Aliyah. Uh, if you have any questions about the IV school, uh, if you'd like to talk to Aliyah yourself, then there's some details in the description box. Feel free to write to us or
1: give us a call. Till the next one. See you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.